realized we didn't clap in Colombia when I was cutting the episode. I was like, there was no clap in here. <laughs> oh, well, I guess there was nothing to match up because it was all just one file, right? No, our video, we re- the video and the audio is recorded separately. Oh. Because the audio is on your phone and the video is on my webcam. Oops. That's okay. That's okay. Not a big deal. Well, how does it feel to be back from Colombia your first week back? Mixed feelings. I'm happy to be at my desk and I was happy to be uh, in my bed. Honestly, I was smiling the whole way home, just thinking about bed. I was like, <laughs> yes, this is going to be great. How's that different no, from you leaving the house every other day? No, it's pretty much the same, except it'd been longer. So I was smiling more. Mm. Um, but actually, okay. So yeah, but I, I do want to share this one. Uh, I shared this article with you about what happened to us on the way home. Not to us, but the person basically immediately behind us, which is a very sad story, but still worth sharing. So we're driving home from Chicago, right? O'Hare. It's about three and a half hours to Iowa City. Um, Jenny didn't really want to do it, but I like driving at night. I don't mind. I think it's fun. Um, and I actually prefer it, especially on 80, because 80s, I hate Highway 80 because it sucks. There's so many accidents all the time. And at least if it's at night, there's fewer people. So I don't know. I just feel better about it. So anyway, we are, it's 3 a.m. We're half an hour from home. And um jenny's sleeping in the passenger side i see what i think is a cop come across the median and then start driving at us keep in mind this is a divided highway two lanes two lanes very big middle and then there's a car driving at us i'm like well this is crazy crazy thing is that's not the first time i've seen it on 20 i mean on 80 (laughs) but uh i just assumed it was a cop because i'm like nobody's that stupid to actually do that i don't know why a cop is doing this right right um but anyway uh I kept going, but I did. I had a split second. I feel kind of bad because I thought about it. And I was like, should I call the cops? I should. But I couldn't even tell when they had driven by if it was a cop because they were going so fast. I slowed down a lot. Jenny was still sleeping. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. But anyway, half an hour later, we get home. It's 3.30 a.m. I am like not hallucinating, but my, you know, when you're like super tired and everything's kind of bizarre, you don't really feel like you're fully in your head. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep. Uh, I can't remember how much later. Jenny sends me an article. I think it was KWL. And so I don't know which person it was, but basically with the mile marker and the timing, somebody very soon after us got hit and there was an accident and one person died. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. And I was a little shook for a while and I'm still kind of shook when I allow myself to think about it because um, it's really sad. And yeah. That Well, and this was like at 3 a.m. too. So like clearly this had to have been like a a drunk driver. I just don't, I don't find, I don't see another like logical reason as to why like somebody would be driving the opposite way at 3 a.m. and then getting mm-hmm. in a car crash. Like it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't well, get it. Thanks for that downer of an opening. Yep. Sorry. But anyway, um, <laughs> I've been blessings or something. I've been doing fine back. I, it's been chaotic since I got back. Uh, life has just been, um, it was like, hey, life was like, I hope you enjoyed that vacation. Um, not you're not going to enjoy it from now on. <laughs> yeah, because you're not going to enjoy this week or the next. Uh, uh, quick question for you, though. Did you notice any difference when you had to start eating American food again? Mm, Instead of the wonderful, amazing Colombian food that was both delicious and cheap and better? <laughs> um, Actually, no. <laughs> mm, I cool because like I have um, I have a garbage disposal of a stomach. And like, I will just eat literally anything. And I, I could eat the same thing every single day for the rest of my life. And it doesn't matter what that is. As long as I like it, I can do it. Um, 
it doesn't have to be like something specific like pizza or something. It could literally be ramen noodles every day and it, <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Um, so when Lauren and I got back, the first thing, well, first we had Chinese in the airport because uh, we were starving. Um, mm-hmm. But then when we came back, I think we were like pulling into our neighborhood around midnight and everything was closed. Even Taco Bell was closed. Um and this is on a, we flew in on a Friday. So Friday at midnight, Taco Bell is closed. I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> so we went to a holiday gas station and like, I found some like prepackaged, like cold, um, cheeseburgers and a chicken oh, sandwich. Yeah. Good. And then I took it home, put ketchup, mustard on the cheeseburger, put ranch on the chicken sandwich and devoured them. And then I had a bowl of cereal after that as well. <laughs> and, and oh, it was, no it was, got it. no, it was, was wonderful. Great. But I do miss Colombian food. Yeah. Their Frosted Flakes were genuinely better. I don't oh, yeah. know what they did. Did you notice a difference? Mm-hmm. They did. Tell me about it. I liked them. They were just better. I don't know. Like Oh, Frosted? frosted? Sugary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Like, yeah. You noticed a difference when you came back and started eating American food. Oh, yeah, food. yeah, yeah. What did you notice? Uh, my body just didn't like it. Like, it was upset when I would eat things. Be like, nope, don't like that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I do miss. I do. What the cool thing about like, so Colombians have this thing where they really love to um, take like corn and then mash it into a biscuit and then like, and then they serve it with everything. So it was really good for Lauren since she is celiac um, and can't have um, gluten. So like she could, they, I don't know, they just like love these like corn biscuits and like they are delicious and they put like cheese and stuff in them too. So I do miss those because we don't have that. It's basically like if you're in the US and you're familiar with what grits are, it's basically the bread equivalent of grits. Uh, It's fantastic. But after um, 18 minutes of listening about Columbia in the last episode or in one of the previous episodes. People are sick of it. They're like, shut up. It's going to be weird. Like The the, the timing is going to be weird because we have like two episodes that are like locked and loaded, ready to go. But I like put the Columbia episode and the revenue episode before those ones. So the, the next two episodes or one or two episodes after the Columbian episode is actually were actually recorded before the Columbia episode. Oops. So it's not oops. It's just like that's just how it worked out. So just freestyling. Okay. Well, well, everybody, that's we're fine. actually back. Uh, we're back in the saddle right now. It's January twentieth. So when you listen to this, you you'll realize kind of like how many we've got backed up. But um, but yeah, Cody, uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, okay, working title is freelancing different digital marketing skill sets and i wanted to talk about this before we talk about a different thing because i think it's important that we go through and explain the different benefits and drawbacks of offering different services and i say freelancing because if you're just starting out that's what you're doing right you're the one offering the service so even if you call yourself a business and it's just you i mean you're basically freelancing so um that's what it is. And we'll talk about the different types of jobs that agencies have and the different skill sets that you might have. And then the benefits, drawbacks of going with those or different ones. I do um, want I do want to mention like how how great it is if like reaching out to us and asking us questions about specific things, um, because really the next episode that we want to cover is is it comes from um, a listener, uh, Frank, who asked us a question about creating a digital agency with a uh, focus on graphic design. And since we constantly shit on graphic design as a service, um, (laughs) he wanted our input on it. I'm like, how, yeah, but how would you make it uh, into an, put it into an agency? 
but before we talk about that, we we wanted to have this episode about kind of setting the the tone of the different services within an agency, um, a traditional agency, and then that point which you're there, and then you break out to do the thing that you did at the agency, but as your own freelance mm-hmm. gig. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to like lay that in there before uh, you start to go off, Cody. Yeah, and before I forget, because I will forget this. Hey, leave us a review. Yes, seriously on Apple. Uh, Spotify has something. reviews too. You can leave reviews on Spotify. I, I gave myself five stars. Yeah. I, I don't care where you do it, but do write something so we get some feedback. Unless it's bad, and then yeah, and then uh, just email message us. Me. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> that's hurtful, and we will cry. Uh, so only nice things. No, it's fine if you want to leave a bad one. Um, but I will take it personally. Yeah. So same. Just know that you're hurting my feelings, and I will find uh, you. <laughs> But seriously, feedback is cool and it's nice to hear from people and what's beneficial, what's not, how we can improve, that sort of stuff. Um, Yes. Okay, let's get into it. Um, First, skill set. And these really align with different jobs, different standardized jobs within a agency setting is SEO, search engine optimization, search engine specialist when it comes to organic free traffic, whatever you want to call it. Um, Benefits. If you are nerdy, <laughs> is that too mean? Uh, uh, well, I mean, that's because if there's a stereotype, it's going to be the people who run ads and there's like media buying, which we'll get to. They're more bros, right? I think back if people watch Scrubs, you know, like the doctors are the nerds. I think of them as the SEOs. And then you have the surgeons who are the bros. And that to me is the media buyers because I did both. I switched over in the middle because I wanted to learn both. But uh, and the reason I did it, this will explain the drawbacks. You constantly work. <laughs> there is never any point in time. Wait for which one? For SEO. Oh. Mm-hmm. Compared to media buying, where you have all your accounts in a wonderful place, you're hitting all of your KPIs, you're very happy with your performance, and you put your feet back and your hands behind your head, and you say, Well done. Well, I'm doing my with, job greatly. With paid media buying, your KPIs are a lot more rigid. I mean, they're a yep. lot more like subjective with SEO. Okay, so the inverse then too, man, we're overlapping. But the the inverse of media buying is when everything sucks, everything really sucks. Um, But let's get back to it. SEO, it's a constant churn. It it can be there aren't there's always something to do and always something that you can do. And that makes it a grind. And comparatively, it doesn't make sense because you're working more, you're getting paid less, generally speaking, than media buyers. And we we are talking about like in an agency setting, like SEOs when you work for an agency instead of like being like a freelance and don't worry, we'll get to, we'll get to the whole like service as a freelancer versus service as, you know, working for somebody, but, but SEOs when they work in an agency, uh, get generally get paid less than people who run paid ads or do media buying through like PPC or, or social. Yep. So let's go through all of them first and then we'll come back and we'll say the benefits drawbacks as a freelancer, because those are actually very different than just the job setting itself. Um, but a subset of SEO is then writer, Con- content writer. You know, there's, I don't know, is that the best word to use? Is there a more fancy term that people say? Content writing is what it is, right? Yeah, I think content writing is fine because, but content writers are, they're basically like the the, the agency whore. Like, they're like, <laughs> every department is pulling a content writer to, to write their shit for them. <laughs> like, like, you're writing like ad messaging, you're writing like, um, maybe email content, you're writing landing page stuff, you're doing stuff for the SEOs. Um, and uh, sometimes you're just putting content on PDFs for sales material. Like, that's just what a content writer does. So yeah, if you're, if you are a writer, you already know this, that you 
are disrespected. But that's the word. <laughs> you, I, because I went to UNI and I was a writing major for a minute. And I did it the first semester and I looked around and thought, man, y'all are working very hard to make as much money as the people working much less. And that's when I switched over to communication. Um, I and I'm not, that. I'm not dissing writing. I love writing a lot and I, I do it because it's fun and enjoyable. And, but you know that once you get to the point of being a writer as a job and making money for it, you're most likely not writing what you want to write. So there's a very big range of really everything, good writers, bad writers, well-paid writers, poorly paid writers. Um, and that's in an agency setting in general. If you're a good copywriter, you can make a lot of money, um, both at a job and freelancing. I, but I, I kind of put writers and graphic designers in the same category though, because like they're both like their work is a craft and like they, they get taken advantage of a lot because everybody is going to use a content writer for their stuff and everybody needs a graphic designer for their stuff. And when you're one of those and your work is art, just like content writing and just like graphic design, um, people just kind of expect you to do it. Just crank it out, make it pop. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> uh, make it pop. I wonder how many graphic designers are on here that just heard make it pop and then just like had their ears bleed. <laughs> they just, they stopped listening. They switched to something else. But like Joe Rogan time, let's go. <laughs> but like when you when you have like an actual like uh, like a media buyer or something like that, and your and your work is like a bit more um, um, directly, I guess, scientific or auditable. Um, it, it's a little bit differently. People treat you a little bit differently. But yeah, content writers and and graphic designers are you know they get they get passed around more than a hooker. Yeah, so we can do that with next design. Uh, <clears throat> always always underpaid really yeah i think i've known plenty of extremely talented designers and they're brilliant artists and they're always underpaid but they know that right um at least in in a job setting that people don't respect art um and the money corresponds so honestly when we when we crap on design we're not crapping on uh the skill itself we're saying it's very unfortunate that you're that talented at something like that and that people don't respect it enough to pay very well for it or you have to work very very hard to earn good money doing it compared to other types of jobs. Um, two more. I got account manager, uh, but these can be called other things too. It's like you said, account executive. Um, Strategist, consultants, just kind mm-hmm. of like the general like um, face of the business to a client. Yep. Yeah. The buffer between the nerds and the client. Yeah. And there's, well, there's, and there's two types of these people. There's like the pretty face that is just there to be the pretty face and communicate things. And there's also like the strategist who actually knows what they're talking about, but not as in depth as like a dedicated SEO specialist. Um, this is similar to what I am at my day job. And then also similar to what I did at my, uh, at the agency that Cody and I worked at, which is like, I knew a fair amount of SEO and a fair amount of PPC, um, but nowhere near the level that Cody did or the other SEOs did. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, I got devs. And I just put front end and back end the same thing. Um, man, it's great to be a dev, right? You make great money. You set your hours. You work from where you want. I mean, dev is... I, there's probably devs listening to this and they're like, hey, listen up. It's not that great. But if you compare it to everything else, everybody's jealous of you because you get to call the shots. You're in high demand. You can do, I say that in the US. I know it's actually very different in other countries too. Um, you have most if, job security too as a dev. Yep. If you're a dev in the US, you're a rock star. Um, or you can be if you want to be aggressive and, you know, uh, pursue the highest paying jobs at the best companies or the lifestyle that you want. I mean, it's it's a golden age for developers. 
for now. There's one more. There's um, I I was just thinking of um, video editor. So it kind of falls into like the graphic design aspect of it, but it's almost kind of on its own level too because um, people are willing to pay a lot more to have a video editor edit a five minute video than a graphic designer create a logo. That's true. It's like a specialty designer, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can do both, great. But um, all right, are we bringing it back to to? Yeah. So those are the pros and cons in the agency setting. But things did talk, can change. Did, did we talk about cons though? We just told we for like the account manager. We just said what it was, right? No, so, did I so, not? Yeah, I think we skipped okay. over that. So like. Uh, did, we, did we did we say cons for all of them or did I forget? I feel like yeah, I well we can do we can do a recap real quick here. So like SEO is like the con for that is you work a lot and you don't get it's paid as much, um, right? But it's a high value skill. Uh, for paid ads, you work less and you get paid more. However, when things are wrong, they're really wrong. And yeah, you you live with the stress. You go to sleep at night knowing that you're in charge of other people's money. I mean, you're you're effectively a financial advisor and you live with that stress too so you work less but you carry more responsibility yep um content writers and graphic designers uh most people who do that love it it's their passion but nobody uh gives you respect or um really sees the value in what you do you gotta fight for it with your pay and respect Mm -hmm. yep um it's hard to measure your success uh yeah it's not impossible it's just hard to um for account managers strategists consultants account executives um it's very high stress. You're you're constantly dealing with client issues. You're not as knowledgeable as the people in in like SEO and PPC. And it's um it's a it's a battle between making the client happy and also understanding what's really happening in the back end. Um, the good news of that is you're usually paid really well, um, or not at all. So <laughs> yeah, the, I'd say a they're con. on they're on like this a spectrum. Like you can you can be an account manager making like forty thousand a year at the bottom level, but then also be an account executive, which is kind of in the same category, and making like two hundred grand a year. Yeah, it just means that they like you more and you're better at doing it. Yeah, but I would say the con salesy. is if you're a introvert, it's just terrible. Mm, that's true. <laughs> because anytime be an I have to do account manager-y things, I hate my life. Mm-hmm. So um. Yeah. um uh back so so web developer the um the pro is uh well, everything yeah pretty much everything <laughs> um the no, I guess, okay I'll, I'll say outside of the u.s because I, I know this about japan uh some people just don't get it they don't understand how hard it is they don't know the the logical difficulty um so people not understanding it happens everywhere but especially with devs people I, don't know and they don't understand what's happening and then Consequently, pay can vary dramatically too as a result of that because people don't know how difficult or how easy something is. And then you have, you know, the guy who took a course for three months and he thinks he's a dev now versus the 10 year old vet and think that they're in the same league and they're not. Um, so that's a con too is that because it's such a wild field, there is a it's from the best to the worst. I, I yeah, I was like, I do have a con for devs though. And the con for devs is that like when um it doesn't matter how difficult something might be, no one will understand how difficult it is. They just expect you to get it done. Yes. So and and I mean you could be cranking out, I mean, like thirty hours for a project that should have been five hours, and no one's gonna understand the work that actually went into doing that. 
Mm-hmm. So that that's a big that's a big con. I feel like when we started saying that, like there's no con, there's no cons to dev work. I, there had to be a dev listening to be like screw you guys. <laughs> but I did want to. We're just jealous. <laughs> We're a little jealous because you guys make good money and what you do is hard. It's got a higher barrier to entry a little bit, right? So that's why uh, the pay scales accordingly. But okay, let's talk about freelancing these things. What's good? What's bad? And why you might want to or not do a certain one um starting with seo what are your thoughts jake uh well seo is a hot i mean that's a hot topic everybody wants to freelance seo it's lucrative why do they want to do that (laughs) that's a great question cody thank you for asking um (laughs) it's lucrative it is uh, very high margin there's no cost of goods sold really unless you're like you can have overhead of you know paying for tools like hrefs and and things like that we don't pay for any seo tools um but uh, you can do everything for free. Google Search Console, uh, analytics, uh, literally everything. Um, and a lot of the information out there is already out there and it's free. It's just the battle that you fight is like, is the information you're actually receiving accurate um, and will actually help your client or hurt them in the long run. So the downside of freelancing SEO is you really have to know your stuff with SEO or else one, you're no different from everybody, every, the millions of people offering SEO as a freelance service. Um, and uh, two, you've got to do some deep dives into understanding SEO, especially now um, as things become more and more technical. Um, so it's also harder to, I think it's also harder to price your services too, because it's like, where do you stop? You, I mean, you mentioned in the job positions, like there's always things to do. So where do you stop for mm-hmm working on a client site i would but what if you're charging someone a thousand bucks a month for seo how many hours are you putting in and then can you effectively get done what you you know a value driving seo effort in that amount of time what you're charging and then can you replicate that so it's, it's a very hard um, service to scale mm-hmm. how about you did you have a do you have any pros or cons for it you said it all i, I people love it because it's straight money it's straight cash there's no barrier to entry you can come in with nothing. You can also fake uh, it for like for months. <laughs> I don't true. advise you to do that, but you can. It's very mm-hmm. easy to pretend like you know what you're doing for, for months and months and months and receive a paycheck from a client forever. Oh, sorry. All Might was calling my phone. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's very easy to, to, to fake it. And I think that's why like a lot of like fake gurus are just like um, account managers who want to freelance SEO go to do it is because you don't have to do the deep, the deep dives in order to sell it. Yeah. But also don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it's, it is nice. And, uh, you have the same problem as everything else. When you have low barrier to entry, you have high competition and a hot mess. Uh, and I think the next one with the writing and content writing is it's just, it's SEO amplified, right? You're, you're now writing is like running, right? Most people can run nearly everybody, you know, can, but then you have, Usain Bolt, who makes very good money running, <laughs> kind of like writing, right? Uh, you have to be outstanding to make very good money. And it takes time to develop a reputation and build the connections of the network where people understand your value and are willing to pay you well for a job well done. That's hard. It takes time. Um, so yeah, that's, that's honestly one that's good if you can go from a job where you have connections to leave and then rely on that network. It's also a harder value sell. Because like it, it's harder to say like, hey, you should hire my services because I'm a writer. Um, it's not like unless unless they're like doing something they need a writer for, they're not going to hire a writer. And usually when they know that they want a writer, they know what they're willing to pay for a writer. 
And whereas like an SEO, it's more of a value sell. You can sell based off of the value that you're going to give to the client because you can track the results. Whereas like a writer, it's it, it's very hard to say my writing will do this for you versus like I have this service. I'm a good writer. You need it. Pay me what you're willing to pay me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, paid. I just wrote paid. PPC. Media buying. That whole category, right? Managing other people's money to buy ads and be accountable for their performance. I love it. That's why I switched. I saw people working less and making more money and thought, hey, I want to do that. And there's a lot of really cool benefits with it. Um, one of them, or what one that isn't, is you have higher barrier to entry compared to, say, SEO, because people do come in with expectations of you know, these are the, you know, I expect this cost per acquisition, I expect these kinds of results if I'm spending this sort of money. You also have the, it sounds dumb, but you have the difficulty of explaining to people, you have to pay me twice or you have to pay, even if it's not me, if you're just passing it through um, or setting it up so that they're paying whatever uh, ad network directly, that they're paying that and they're paying you to do that. That trips people up. It does. It sounds dumb, but it's a mental hurdle that they have to get over is, oh, I have to pay the ad network and I have to pay you to do the ads on top of that yeah, yeah. that's why we put it together into a package and we just say you pay us for the the um the ad spend and then we will we will place the media buy yep and so it, it takes that takes that away um i was also going to say with uh, with paid ads too uh it's easier to know when things are or it's, it's quicker to know when things are a success or when things are a failure Whereas with SEO, I mean, you've got <laughs> you've got six months to a year before you can even make that assumption. Um, you can convince people that it's not a failure until a year or two years um, just because of how SEO works. But people can also see wins in SEO within weeks um, just by correlation and, and, and not exactly causation. Whereas like SEO, you see direct returns and direct results from your efforts. Mm, you said it wrong. PPC, right? You said SEO. Oh, yeah. PPC. <laughs> uh, freelancing. This is a weird one. Freelancing account management slash strategy. It's hard. So this is where coaches come into play, I think. Because I think a lot of people who are like strategy or consultants or account executives go into co- like coaching and branding. Um, because they don't actually do the work. They just tell people <laughs> what the work is needs to be done and it's the same <laughs> thing when like when they manage different departments and like a client comes to them and says i want this well they just go get the people that do the work so in the freelance world that's outsourcing it um and then I, these are also the people who do who who have become ceos so like of like their their own business so like me um whereas like i was i came from i didn't come from the seo background um i came from the account manager account executive background um who learned seo in order to sell seo services with my account executive background and then i that's when i brought cody on as the ppc specialist or the media buying specialist and then we kind of became this dynamic duo of hey we have me who is um 75 good at seo 100 good at account management and then cody who is 100 good at ppc and um and then also 100 good at operations which isn't a service that we're freelancing here but i'll take it i'll take it <laughs> 
but th- I think this is where like if you're if you're in this setting in an agency, this is kind of what most people do uh, when they decide to freelance uh, marketing services is, is going to coaching and branding and things like that. Uh, the, the downside of that is you don't actually know how to do anything. <laughs> so you have to actually learn and um, you've got to find people, good people to outsource to. So my advice to you would just be learn SEO or learn PPC or learn something. Yeah, I don't have good things to say about. That's not true. Um, I have good things to say about account managers uh, and strategists, but I do get very frustrated when I see them jump ship and then try to do nerdy stuff that I've spent, you know, all of my time doing and realizing how much they don't know. And it's fine, but they're very good at talking to people. So they're good at convincing people to give them money, which is a skill I don't care to do. And I just kind of, you know, bank on Jake. And that's why we partnered. Because all the, all I'd rather the, just hang out in the background with my Cheetos and Mountain Dew. <laughs> all the gurus on. out there that are like selling like the $5,000 high ticket consulting stuff. Like I, those are like all the people who are like account managers in the past life. Like they don't actually know how to do anything. They just know how to sell it and talk to you. Mm-hmm. Which is a skill. It is. It's it's a skill. But anyway, we won't. Yeah. Well, and, and we and, might get angry. Well, let's get hate mail from that one, probably. <laughs> and you know this like, too, I'm because an account manager. Here's the thing, though, is you know this too, because when you signed up, listener, for one of those online paid courses from an influencer, that influencer never actually taught a single course. It was all some other person, some other expert, and. Tell me I'm wrong. That is I wouldn't all. know. I don't know. <laughs> I've never done those things. Um, freelancing dev work. Uh, man, again, that's, that's, that's constant sales. Yeah. Okay, that's true. It, because if you're not if you're not productizing in some way, if you're not you know selling WordPress themes or something, you're doing individualized projects or um, yeah, you it, you will need to constantly bid on jobs and that sort of thing. It's easier to um, sell your dev work services for a higher ticket, um, you know, to, to create an API connection from like a, a form to a client CRM. You could just be like five grand, easy, 10 grand. What are you going to do about it? Um, you know, hire another sketchy developer. Um, the problem is, is like it's, it's a constant inbound effort or a constant outbound effort. I feel like I'm always getting emailed dev work, ad hoc dev work stuff. Um, and it's because it's like there isn't a, a constant need for a developer unless you're employing one for full time in your agency. For, so freelancing is a little bit more difficult if you don't productize it. So like I am your IT guy. But that's the thing, though, is like there's so many different facets to IT that one developer isn't going to be a good IT for every single solution. Um this is when like a developer who learns SEO or learns um, like web design for like SEO. That's when that's kind of like um, a combination that crushes it there. Mm-hmm. What about freelancing design services? What are your thoughts? I think you're in the same boat as a graphic designer, only you can't charge a lot for your graphic design work because you're competing with everybody on Fiverr who does to the layman equally as impressive work. Um, and that's, that's arguable because there's some real blunders on Fiverr, but there's also some like real decent stuff on Fiverr too. And um, you had to be realistic with that. So again, with the graphic design is it's a hard thing to freelance if you, um, if you don't, if you can't product that, or if you don't product as a service. So I, I think a really important lesson to learn out of here is besides SEO and besides paid ads, every single position 
that comes out of an agency for uh, someone who wants to freelance that service, you have to learn one or another of the other services um, in order to kind of productize something. Um, so like content writing, account management, um, develop uh, developers, graphic designers, those are all positions in an agency that are very hard to productize by themselves. But if you can combine um, that service with another service on like a reoccurring basis, like um, maybe you're a graphic designer uh, or maybe, yeah, you're, maybe you're a graphic designer, but you learn um, foundational SEO work, just very basic level. You now have your retainer, maybe it's a cheap SEO service, and then you offer um, ad hoc design work when requested. Um, or maybe you're a, um, a front end or back end developer, and you can do the same thing with SEO. You can make SEO kind of like your value pitch for reoccurring services. Um, or maybe you have a, uh, you build you, now you start building websites and you start managing and maintenancing websites not even doing seo just keeping them running and that's your value um but with with some of these services yeah they're when they're ad hoc and there really isn't a, a reason to for a company to pay you over and over like every single month for something um you kind of you you've got to get into like habit of figuring out what you can bundle with that where someone does want to pay monthly for that service but it could be like, you know, like lawyers, like lawyers, you, people have lawyers on retainers where they just pay them a monthly fee and then like they might not contact them for a couple months. But then when they do, it's like that much cheaper because it's it was worth it for them. You could do that with graphic design and design or graphic design and um, development work. You just have to find out where the market is willing to pay for a retainer for one of those services. You could then, do it as an account manager too, like as a general strategist mm-hmm. um, if, if you're doing basically consulting. Yeah. I, the hard part is like, Cody and I, that's not our business model is like being on a retainer for things that like we don't actively do every month. Um, and it's harder for us to, uh, we haven't like fleshed that out. We fleshed out our productized service because that's our productized service. But if you want to productize a retainer model for graphic design work, that's homework that you have to do. You have to figure out what your market is willing to pay for that retainer service. And then also how much effort you're willing to put in at that monthly rate if your retainer service was to be used at its maximum potential every single month, because you have to plan for the worst. If you, if you underprice yourself and you say a hundred dollars a month, and then all of a sudden the client has you working for 30 hours a month, you might as well be working at McDonald's. I think then you have to think of the next year too, right? You have freelancing, which is you doing the service, but if you productized it, did you productize it for somebody else to do it too? Or is this dependent upon you? And then if that's the case, you're now a high ticket consultant and you need to gradually increase your prices if that's your your plan to make money and to grow a business. But otherwise, you should think, how easy is it to get other people to do this productized service too? So that as I grow it, I can still sell it. I'm not the only one doing it. In fact, maybe eventually I'm out of the one doing it. I'm managing it and overseeing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and think about how hard or how easy, either way, it will be to get somebody else in that position to do the same sort of service. There's an example of a client we used to have um, where they uh, they were a designer, but they what they did was they went into homes and they basically cleaned out really messy areas and then made them like look really nice and organized. They're, they're a professional organizer. That's what they were. Um, that service by itself requires a level of expertise and design skill that's, that can't be replicated in a process. And just like graphic designers and developers, well, Maybe developers can, but graphic designers, uh, you can't just um, process out 
a graphic design. Maybe you can. Maybe maybe you work in like you you create templates or something like that. And then, well, yeah, I mean, but at that point, you're crossing over from a productized service to SaaS, right? I mean, you've you've gone over to software as a service, where people are just buying a subscription model. But the scale isn't you offering the service; it's them paying for the software. I'm, I'm and then I mean, more of like a graphic designer. Like, if you're a graphic designer, freelancing graphic design work, you can't process that out because you are you who was the graphic oh, right, right. designer and i thought you're saying like you're making maybe templates or something oh like i meant like if you're like create like templates of like i don't know um like flyers and like that's what you mm-hmm. decide to sell like yeah you could have one person create the templates and the other person like swap out the design elements using you know illustrator mm-hmm. um but you can't really duplicate that so our client she she cannot duplicate her business the way that we duplicate our business which is hire college students at part time and just <laughs> follow the process that's all you have to do <laughs> she actually has to get to a point where she can hire a designer that went to school for design or or you know an expert and pay them six figures but she's got to be able to get to that point where she can make that first and become that, you know, get past that high ticket consultant part where she can actually have like a um, like a business of high ticket consultants. It's almost like owning like a real estate agent kind agency kind of. It's like every single person there is highly paid. Yeah, that's a that's a hard thing. No matter where or how you're doing it, it's always the in what way or how am I going to find people to help me scale this as a service business and yeah, people do it all sorts of different ways but that's that is difficult when you're relying on highly skilled individuals and it's a harder thing to bootstrap i guess there are far far more stupid people in this world than intelligent people <laughs> so that's not helpful <laughs> so if you well this is why this is why i think we built our business the way we did is because we built it because we were like, we don't want to have to try to find intelligent people uh, or like, you know, highly skilled people to hire right out of the gate when we can make highly skilled people with pro- with services and processes that can be duplicated mm-hmm. by, you know, literally a piece of paper and then giving it to a monkey and saying, okay, now do this. And then they do the work as we scale. And then, you know, we make them into better and more skilled people at cheaper rate. Yep. I'm a big believer in if the system relies on you, it's not a good system. You got to remove yourself from it entirely. And if it still works, then you're good. But if there are issues and they rely on you, then you got to go in and fix that. Yeah. But I think that's it. I think that is. I think it is. So the, and then the next thing is, um, I think the next thing I want to talk about, which I, I'm setting ourselves up for a trap because now we have to talk about it. <laughs> but actually, um, you know, taking one of these as an example that isn't exactly, um, uh, productizable and then showing you how I might productize the service um, if I had this skill. So I, we want to tackle because our listener, Frank, who is a graphic designer, um, was asking this question to us. And I really want to kind of dive into some of the advice that I gave him of what I would do personally if I was a graphic designer and I wanted to productize something. Um, and we'll go into things like the, you know, picking the niche and, you know, basically doing everything in the first 15 episodes of this podcast but condense it down into 30 or so minutes (laughs) sounds good all right everybody thanks for listening see you